You're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. Rabbits are one of the most destructive pests in Australia. The damage caused by rabbits to the horticulture and agriculture sectors in Australia is estimated to be around $217 million per year, according to Gong and others in 2009. Dr Ian Smith is back to give us an integrated pest management plan for these pests. We'll learn how to identify and locate their burrows, multiple control methods to be used in synergy together, and why it's better to invest heavily in the first year of control rather than to spread the investment over multiple years. Ian's a friend of the show, host of our Bug Bite segment, an ecologist, natural resource management consultant, and much more. His current contract just happens to be up, so if you're a business owner looking for an entomologist, ecologist, or an IPM expert, you can get in contact with him through the links in the show notes. Welcome back to the show, Ian. Thank you. Always great to be back. (laughs) Yes. So today we're going to be talking about rabbits. Uh, In some parts of the country, you might have a real problem with rabbits. Um, In other parts of the country, you may not see it a whole lot. But I think for any horticulturist, it is actually good to have this knowledge. Yeah, so um, it's it's you, some people will find rabbits a constant pest, um, and as soon as you put down any succulent plant, um, well, succulent to the rabbit, not actually a cacti. Sorry, mm. um, uh, they they as soon as you put them down, they'll be completely cleared out if you're not doing rabbit control. Other areas you may find you almost never see them, um, and that might be a little bit baffling if you're expecting them, um, and that just all depends on the features of the landscape and the soil types. Okay, so I want to talk to you about that. Um, some of the places where I think they can do a lot of damage are in natural resource management, um, larger properties, farms, and also in amenity landscapes. They do like to feed on uh, a lot of different types of plants. But can you tell us about what environments do they thrive in? Um, can you give us a few examples of plants that they like and what damage can they do? Yeah, so rabbits are have very little in the way of defense. So the way they protect themselves is by um, digging warrens or hiding under dense understory. So uh, if you think of a, uh, so particularly dense prostrate plants um, or um, or even brambles or uh, thistles that grow low into the ground, that gives them somewhere to hide and that will protect them from foxes and uh, raptorious birds. So and so that's the sort of environment where they can thrive. But also, when it comes to soil, uh, digging warrens is very energy intensive. So they love areas where it's uh, easy to dig with just their little paws. So that's sandy soils or um, sodic soils where you get tunnel erosion. Um, so if you see anywhere anywhere that's got sandy. Uh, sandy sodic soils, you just see an explosion of rabbits if they're left unmanaged, uh, particularly if you've got a lot of thorny weeds. Or um, uh, So there's some areas where you might have historic hawthorn or historic uh, boxthorn hedges, um, and if they're left unmanaged, they can just explode in number because they've just got everything they need. They've got a dense warren network, they've got uh, thorny defence, um, and and yeah, that that just allows them to just um, exponentially increase their numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was one property I once visited, and 
it was they had this garden with these nice low growing plants that completely covered um, the ground, but it was also on a ter- the, the landscape had been terraced and it had been filled with a a nice loose sandy potting mix, um, and what that meant was it was the longest. Longest rabbit warrens I have ever seen because it was just the perfect hiding and digging environment. It was like it was like a sand pit to them. They could just dig a warren in no time at all. Um, so without the warrens, rabbits are very susceptible to the outside environment. Um, so if you could snap your fingers and remove every warren in Australia, you'd probably see something like 80 percent of rabbits just suddenly die out. Um, and that's why some properties, um, even if they've got near, if other properties nearby have pest problems, they may not see them on their property, because if you have something like very heavy clay soil, they can struggle to dig in that. And when they're struggling to dig, they're using a lot of energy and their backs to the sky. And so any any predator just can come and take them out. Um, and also, if you get a lot of waterlogging, you will probably won't see them too often as well because uh, uh, rabbits are very sensitive to temperature. Uh, so if they get wet in winter, uh, they can quickly become um, hypothermic and they will just die of cold exposure. Uh, so that that explains a lot of the distribution of rabbits. Uh, it's it's just a matter of uh, how easy it is to dig, how much shelter they have, and how much uh, open open holes in the ground that they can just freely use to start start reproducing. Right. Okay. So when we talk about their predators, we're talking about like our native um, eagles and raptors and owls. And I guess we're also probably talking about like feral pests like foxes. Yeah, so I think the from memory the biggest uh, predator of rabbits is foxes, um, right. and that's in both urban and rural areas. <laughs> it's hard to win, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, I have actually heard uh, there's, there's a bit of backwards and thought, forwards in the research on this, and I think they've settled on the best way to control foxes is to control rabbits. Um, <laughs> So, because once you remove the rabbits, you remove their food source. Okay. So, give them a big glut by removing their nests. I guess we'll talk about this a little bit later. But, um, you know, once that population dies down, if you're doing it successfully, well, then the fox population may boom for a little bit. And then I imagine it would die down. Yeah. So, their their population will follow the population of the rabbit. And once the rabbit population drops off, so does the foxes. Um, So, once you remove the rabbits, the foxes will wander off and find another food source. Um, If they're close to the city, usually a dumpster from the local fish and chip shop is a good Mm -hmm. target for them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, and what about the damage that they do to plants? So, like saplings, what else do they like? Yeah, absolutely. So, rabbits will... um, they actually have quite a refined palate. So right. they will select when times are good, they will select their preferred highest protein plants. So mm-hmm. if we just take a hypothetical property that has um, a sort of a, a, an ornamental garden with a veggie patch and a lawn, um, the first thing they'll target is probably the veggie patch um, because, you know, those, those are plants we've bred to be edible and so the rabbits definitely find them edible and they will, if it's close to a warren, they will take them out first. Mm, rabbit food. Yeah, rabbit food. <laughs> um, and then once that starts dying out, they start preferentially going lower and lower quality. Um, so that becomes uh, quite noticeable, notable if you're either doing lawn management or pasture management or anything along those lines because they will pick through and pick out all the best plants and under very 
high population, they'll eventually leave only things they can't eat, which tends to be uh, major weeds. So, um, so down here in Victoria, if um, if you've got a, a, a lawn that rabbits are just hitting hammer and tong, you'll probably end up with just a lawn full of uh, serrated tussock um, mm-hmm. and thistles. So they'll even eat the grass. They will actually eat the grass. Yeah, they'll go down to the grass. And I, I mean, if if they're completely running out, if you've got a sort of rabbit plague situation and it's a drought, they will eventually just start eating tree bark and start ring barking the trees. Um, there's even been um, when people completely run out of food, they'll just start eating things like wood and uh, rabbit corpses. So mm, <laughs> they wow. they have a hierarchy that's of preferences. Crazy. Yeah, that's pretty grim. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, we're not going to go into this right now, but anyone listening should Google the Rat King. Uh, let's go into it. Okay, so rat <laughs> management. So okay, so how do you deal with a rat problem? You um, get a bucket full of rats, and then um, the last two that are surviving that have eaten all the other rats get a taste for rats and then you release those two rats into the rat population. <laughs> it's very dark. <laughs> I had not I, – I, I can't say I've read much about this. <laughs> I don't think it works with rabbits though, I imagine. If they're – well, I don't know. Would it? Maybe it would. I, I, I do have herbivores, so. <laughs> yeah, preferentially, but you said they eat dead rabbits. Oh, only in absolutely desperate times, yeah, like right. point of starvation. It's um, it is definitely not their preferred. Times. Okay, okay. So it's like it would be like us in the you know those guys who crashed the plane in the snow and then they had to yeah, eat each yeah. other. Sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, okay. Right. Okay. So what does rabbit damage look like? Yeah. So this is this is the um, this is a good thing to keep an eye out. Um, so in when rabbits are in low densities, even even in low densities, they can impact. Um, plant regeneration and germination. Um, so uh, I, I met a um, nursery owner who was trying to grow she-oaks for sale and he said it was just they just absolutely love she-oaks. Um, just, okay. they're just They're just absolutely fine dining for them. <laughs> um, and so even in quite low densities, they will still selectively pick them out and can give um, horticulturists grief. Mm-hmm. Um, so the key – so the first thing that you may notice is just a lot of plants disappearing um, mm-hmm. and for specific species. Uh, the second you'll start seeing is if you're seeing it on sort of uh, larger woodier plants, it they – being rodents, they have uh, these long rodent teeth and they leave these 45-degree cuts. Um, so sort of lower down on the plant, you start seeing it looks like someone's just taken a secateur and done 45-degree cuts around the bottom. Um, that can be rats, but if you just look around for rabbit droppings, you'll uh, they're small round pellets. Uh, if you've got them and 45-degree cuts on the plants, yeah, you've probably got a rabbit problem. Um, so it's time to start hunting around to check where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So we're looking for particular species of plants. So it's like, um, you know, if you've got a nursery full of a bunch of different plants and then you're noticing one type of plants getting pummeled or the same things happening in the landscape, it could be rabbits. Um, we're looking for damage around the base of the plant where rabbits can reach. They can't climb up and start, um, you know, chewing around the branches, I imagine. Um if in desperate times they can give it a go, but yeah, right. usually they'll stay close to the ground and usually they'll stay as close to their warrens as possible. Um, so, um, so uh, when, sorry, we'll, we'll jump back to this in control, but um, yeah, they, as, as soon as you start seeing that sort of um, damage, it's time to start looking for their uh, warrens. 
Uh-huh. All right. So we'll get into that in physical controls. Mm. Um, but what's the mentality when we approach trying to control rabbits? Like, um, should we be celebrating every time we shoot a rabbit with a with a shotgun or a rifle? Like, is that a big win? No, absolutely not. Um, so when we're doing uh, rabbit control, um, we we fir- firstly we need to keep in mind of being ethical and minimizing harm. Uh, sorry, minimizing suffering and in, in species. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with that in mind, the goal of uh, rabbit control isn't to kill rabbits. The goal of rabbit control is to prevent rabbits existing in an area to begin with. Okay, so, let's say that again one more time. So the goal of rabbit control is not to kill rabbits. The goal of rabbit <laughs> control is to prevent rabbits. Okay, so that's good. I think I think we just need to keep that in the mind. And that's also true of like pests in general. Yeah. Like it, um, we're, we're talking about population control. We're not talking about killing pests. Yeah, that's, yeah, integrated integrated pest management. If pests existing, then something's missing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if, if you've got constant issues with aphids, then maybe there's something missing. Where are the where are the predatory insects and mm-hmm. what can you do to improve that? Um, so, and it's it's the same concept with rabbits. If you've got a lot of rabbits, then there's something in the landscape that is allowing them to breed up. Yeah. And particularly when they're in an environment where they have a few natural predators. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. in Europe, um, you know, where they're naturally from, they have a, a whole bunch of predators like the stoats and the weasels and the badgers and wolves. Mm. Once they got to Australia, all they really had to contend with was the fox once it was introduced and um, raptorious birds. So that's why they do so well in Australia. There's just mm. really nothing that can can tackle them at the rate that they breed. Yeah. So let's go through our integrated pest management checklist. So we'll go through genetic, physical, cultural, biological, and chemical methods, and then mm-hmm. we'll go through to regulatory methods. Um, but starting with genetic methods, which kind of seems like really not the best one here because it's like – so what we're talking about with genetic methods is uh, choosing plants that are less palatable to rabbits, I suppose. Would that be what you'd say genetic methods would be here? Yeah, well, if we take it from that perspective, yeah, the key for managing rabbits is you want to avoid, if you're in an area that's very prone to rabbits, you want to avoid uh, any plants which create a dense understory that you can't access to remove warrens. Uh, so, you know, if you if you think of something like a, a, like a blackberry, um, a blackberry bramble or something, like once the rabbits get in there and this... You're going to have a really fun day digging through that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you've got um, if you if you've got something like uh, low growing plants um, and you're having constant rabbit problems, the first thing is to remove their temptation and habitat for the rabbits. And that so uh, pruning pruning trees so they're off the ground. Uh, sorry, pruning shrubs so they're off the ground mm-hmm. and that they can be basically seen by foxes. So. One of the keys to control a rabbit is yeah, visual, visualize the landscape from a fox. If they, mm-hmm. if you want, you want the rabbits to be exposed and visible at all times so that they don't feel comfortable there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, from from yeah, so I think yeah, from looking at that sort of genetic perspective um, of of the plants and the environment, yeah, I'd choose uh, choosing plants um, that that don't harbor them by um, obscuring them or protecting them. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so for me, the reason why I said this seems like a dumb um, control is because, well, it's not dumb. It's just you can only really do it for one year or so like that. Like maybe this year while we're controlling the rabbits, we're just not going to plant she-oaks or we're just not going to have a veggie garden this year. Um, but it, it seems like a sad long-term solution to be like, well, we can never have a veggie patch here because we have rabbits. Yeah, so that's that's not really the way I'd go because, uh, yeah, the, there's, there's better ways of um, approaching rabbit control. Uh, and that is, it is entirely possible to eradicate rabbits on a property. Um, so, yeah, it'd be, I'd probably work to remove the habitat of rabbits rather than mm-hmm. looking to restrict what you're doing on your land. Um, particularly if you're like a commercial nursery, just saying, well, just not going to grow the plants I want is probably not really a feasible solution. Mm-hmm. Okay. So physical methods is that's, that's a pretty good segue into physical methods. Mm. So that would be like literally breaking apart the nest that they're hiding in or cutting the plant that they're hiding under. Uh, just keep in mind that your shrub may or may not grow back how you wanted it to. Different plants respond differently to pruning and different pruning cuts also elicit different growth responses we've done a few different episodes on pruning on this podcast and if that's news to you you should go back and listen to those yeah so physical control is pretty uh, sorry physical management um and structural management is where it's at um so as i mentioned before rabbits need their warrens to survive so the first where you should be focusing a lot of your efforts is on uh warren removal um so if you if you and so if you were to wipe out rabbits with uh, whatever method, but leave the warrens, you're probably just going to get another warren from a different area. Move in, go great, free free open house, mm-hmm. move in, and then start breeding again. So if you do nothing else, control and control uh, rabbit warrens, and so there's multiple ways of doing that. Um, uh, in from uh, physical. Uh, physical management um, looking at collapsing them and get on them early you don't you don't want to leave rabbit warrens until they're large because once they're large it's just a lot more effort so it takes multiple years for a rabbit warren to get to a large size with multiple entrances um, they will in their first year really just have a short warren um, and burrow um, and that's once you see that that's when it's time to start acting mm-hmm. um, you don't uh, for 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 a um, you know e- ethical perspective, you don't really want to be um, just sort of collapsing the warren on on in on them. Uh, if you're in a sort of larger uh, agricultural rural area, um, you'd probably want to start with baiting to drop the populations to the point where that's um, feasible. Uh, if you're in a sort of smaller, more urban area, then you'd probably want to get a contractor in to uh, do uh, Warren fumigation, uh, which involves blocking off all the entrances and then putting in a um, fumigant to um, knock the rabbits out uh, and and eventually and kill them. Uh, and once that's done, that's when you need to do your follow up. And that is uh, if it um, if you can using sort of heavy plant to rip the warrens out. So um, just the area around where you found the warrens, uh, uh, rip the soil up deep so that the entire area is sort of soft and the warrens have been dug through and then compact it down again so that it's hard for the rabbits to dig back into. 
Yeah. So I guess usually in horticulture, we like to say, or in integrated pest management, we like to say uh, chemicals are a last resort, but we've really gone through pretty much the whole thing here. Like cultural methods would be um, changing the burrow with the, with the hedge above it so that there's, you know, enough visibility, which sort of brings us to the biological controls, which is the predators that can more easily see these pests. Now they can pick them off. Mm-hmm. And then we've also got the chemical methods. So we're really using all of these in synergy to drop the population down as quickly as possible. Yeah, so that's the biggest mistake people make with rabbit control is they find a method they like and use that one method. Uh, Rabbits just breed too fast for that to be successful. You've got to use every tool available and use them all at once. Um, uh, So, yeah, so from biological control of rabbits as well, um, there's uh, in the natural environment, you've got uh, been cycling for quite a few years now. You've got... uh, what you probably know as myxomatosis and clavici virus, mm. um, they still persist in the environment. Um, it is possible to actually buy um, the uh, uh, clavici, or also known as rabbit hemorrhagic disease, um, but I, I probably wouldn't recommend that because it's just naturally in the environment anyway, so you can just kind of rely on it seasonably coming. And it is if you do um, see rabbits in your property just lying there dead, uh, a trick is to see if they've sort of cocked their head back looking like they're looking up at the sky. Um, if that's their death pose, then they've probably been um, taken out by uh, um, rabbit hemorrhagic disease or RHDV1. And, um, yeah, so... Uh, when you see, if you if you are seeing that, that's actually a really good time to do control. Um, if if it's if it's not spring, sorry, that is, um, because uh, once the best time to do control is when the population is dropping. Um, so um, I'll I'll, I'll sorry I'll, I'll go back to that. So uh, time of year of control is very important with rabbits because uh, often what happens is people they'll. They've got their property, they start seeing rabbits, and then suddenly they see heaps of rabbits and go, well, now's the time for doing control. Uh, the problem with that is that is usually in spring when rabbits are breeding fastest. So if you start doing control like shooting or sort of any of those supplementary uh, controls, the their numbers are still increasing. So even though you've taken out a bunch, the population is still increasing so actually the best time to control rabbits is when their population is starting to flag and suffer, which is usually late summer once they've used up all their food sources. Is There's no point spending all this money and getting contractors out in spring and then just finding they've just bounced right back. Right. Yeah, because the small population that they have has all the food. Yeah. Uh, y- y- <laughs> they didn't lose it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the, uh, it's, it's exponential growth. So if you think of a line um, – exponentially increasing so sort of you know going straight upwards if you subtract five from that number well it's still going up uh so you know so so to put that another way so if you got 10 times 10 times by five that's 50 and if you killed five of them it's still it's still a high number so um whereas yeah. if they've you know if you've only got five and then you kill say four well you've taken out um you know the majority of their population and what size population can they bounce back from? Uh, so, 
you've probably heard that rabbits can breed quite fast. Like rabbits. <laughs> yes, they breed like rabbits. Uh, so two rabbits can become, uh, one, one study said two rabbits can become 180 within 18 months. Wow. Um, so, yeah, you, that's why you need to maintain constant control and use all your tools available because um, uh, a female rabbit can have two, uh, about seven to eight litters a year and in each of those litters is about four to eight young. Um, and just just for fun, uh, females can mate within a few hours of giving birth. So wow. in that environment, if you're just going out with, you know, uh, you know, basic control and using one method, you can see how quickly that would actually fail. Yeah. You're just getting the slow ones. Hmm. You're just helping the population become stronger. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so they don't mind the inbreeding then? Um, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, well, it's just once populations get above a certain level, it's not a huge issue and because they can breed so fast. Um, it, it is an issue when it comes to disease, Um uh, so the two um, biological yeah. control agents, um, but you know if if that popular if those two you know if you've got two rabbits that move into an area and they already have those um, you know resistance to various diseases, then you know if they breed up quite quickly, then that, there's actually quite a strong population despite the inbreeding. Yeah, they all have that resistance. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you know, so inbreeding can be a double-edged sword. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so and what size popu- – like let's say we have a 1,000 rabbits or let's say we have a 100 rabbits on our property. Hmm. What? How many of them do we have to ensure that are wiped out before we know that our farm or our property is safe? Is it 100%? Look, I would actually just aim straight off the bat aim for 100% because uh-huh. if you're trying to suppress them at a low number, um, it's just going to be an ongoing task. And – if if you're in a particularly bad area, uh, once you've controlled those warrens, though, um, they only like to feed within a few hundred meters of their warrens. So only a few hundred meters. Yeah, um, that's a pretty big feeding ground, though, isn't it? Um, Is that diameter or circumference or square meters or? Uh, so so from the distance from their feeding spot to uh, the warren, they prefer mm. to stay as close as possible. They will continue to move as it gets drier, but yeah. you think the further out they are, the more prone they are to um, right. to, um, to 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 predators. Yeah, yeah, because they have further to get back home. Yeah, just more air, more time in the air. Um, so, but you can use that to your advantage. So, if you think if you can tr- remove every warren within you know two three hundred meters of your property, then you basically got no rabbits. Um, and if you can do that, and then if you did something like fencing as well, um, mm. uh, yeah, you can actually maintain an environment free of rabbits. So, if you're on a small domestic block and you don't have control over what the houses around you are doing, and you've got rabbits. Mm. I guess the only thing is like the uh, that that six foot deep fence, your uh, rabbit proof fence. <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't have to be that deep. Um, if you are looking to do a rabbit uh, proof fence, um, I'd check there is uh, have a look for um, best practice rabbit proof fence online um, and get a contractor who's familiar with um, building okay. them properly. Um, so they need a small mesh and a skirt. Um, which is a bit of wire that runs along the edge. So you don't actually have to dig them into the ground. Um, digging them in is sort of um, good as well, but um, right. short of that, you can just have a wide skirt at the bottom. I think that's oh. half from memory. It's half a meter each side. 
So even if they do tunnel under it, they just bop up and hit their head. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay, and then they head back. <laughs> yeah, like, well, that's not working. Um, <laughs> but uh, from that perspective as well, uh, a a rabbit-proof fence is only as good as as how often you monitor it. Um, it's not a set right. and forget because yep. once one tunnel goes through, they will use that and they will move in. So, yep. yes, uh, it's good to every so often um, go along the edge of the property and uh, check for um, yeah any incursions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So it, it best best practice is to work with your neighbours um, and try and get them all to mark out and remove any rabbit warrens. Mm. Um, and just on that perspective, if if you if you've got a rabbit problem and you're not sure where they're coming from, um, the little little trick I like to use if it's a smaller property is just get uh, you know just some wooden wooden meat skewers and just go around and pop. Pop them down everywhere you see any signs of rabbits. So any little scratchings, any uh, they're called buck piles, which is the male rabbits like to poo in one pile to uh, mark their territory, Um, and or and any um, any rabbit um, gnawing on on trees or any uh, rabbit impacted trees. And if you just put little stakes around as you walk around, you'll start seeing that it'll be a pattern, um, and it'll start. And usually if you do that, you'll eventually see, oh, actually, there's a dense pile of trees and shrubs right there um, and all the damage is orientating from that spot. So, right. Um, yeah. Okay. So, okay. So that, that's, that answers my next question, which was how can we find the warrens? So we just look out for the damage, look around close by, get our meat skewers, test the ground, and also look for buck piles. And yeah. and also look out for the types of habitats that we've already said that they like. So stuff like low-growing shrubs, especially thorny or prickly ones. Yeah, exactly. Um, if, uh, if, if, if you, you know, go onto a big open paddock and see a pile of boxthorn, um, and there's rabbits control, I can guarantee you nine times out of ten they're going to be yeah. under that one single bush. In the, right. In the and then when you see the hole, it should be obvious, right, that it, there's not like a little trap door where they're hiding under. It's like it's a rabbit warren. So it can be obvious, but at the same time they do like to hide as much as they right. could. So, so if, if there's like a rock with a hole under it, they might find a cool place that's hard to see. Yeah, so when rabbits are trying to uh, dig their warren, um, I mentioned before, they're very vulnerable when they're digging. They're using a lot of energy. They're, they're heads down in the warren so they can't look for danger. So they the first thing they'll do is find somewhere that's kind of safe. So if you've got like a, a log or a tree or a, 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 um, a tree stump or uh, like a little rock ledge or something, they're going to hide under there uh, or sort of a low-growing um, shrub. They'll hide under there and then once they've got that little bit of safety, that's when they'll start digging. Um, okay. So it's very rare for a rabbit just to go into the middle of an open field and just start digging. Um, right. If they're doing that, then there's a lot of rabbits in the area and it's mm. a young male that's been kicked out of the area and just looking desperately for a shelter. Okay. Yeah, he's desperate. Yeah. Okay. So one thing I wanted to ask you as well, we talked about baiting and we really skipped over this because mm. what – like. Like what happens if a raptor, one of our beautiful native raptors, eats a rabbit that's been uh, that that's eaten rodenticide or what, whatever sort of chemical controls that they've eaten? Yeah. So um, if you're not uh, familiar with using uh, rodenticides, um, I would probably either get a contractor or undertake a agricultural chemical users permit or um, other 
or other um, training program for using rabbit control. Um, but um, so the key the key is minimizing risk, and the way we do that um, for most um, uh, chemical controls is uh, so there's there's two type there's um, sorry going blank uh, there's 1080 which you can't use in anywhere near uh, urban areas or near properties. Um, so that's only really for if you're sort of a remote agricultural property. Yeah, because we care about our pets, but we don't care about the natural wildlife. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll get back to that. There's, there's, yeah. there's ways to manage. Um, so, and then there's pindone, which is um, is an anticoagulant, and it works similar, but it um, that one actually has an antidote. So that one's more useful in urban areas because, like, if a dog uh, eats baits or something. Um, there's uh, an antidote to it, which um, most right. vets should stock. Um, so the way that you manage risks uh, with using baiting is uh, to use baits. How it works is um, uh, is first you identify where the warrens are, and then you need to start by doing uh, what we call a free feed. So you'll get some oats, um, sp- um, oats or carrots, depending on how, what form the baits are. And you'll sprinkle them all on a trail um, and dig up this and just sort of rip the soil a little bit. So cat rabbits like to explore, explore, uh, disturbed soil. And you do those two free feeds. So that's just unbaited food, free food for them. And that gets them used to food existing in an area. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you're doing, uh, in addition to getting them used to that um, potential bait, is they're learning where the food is. And you're also learning how much they're eating. So if you put a bunch out and find that there's a whole heap left over, you're overdoing it um, and you're risking um, wildlife because there's extra extra food left over that other species can get. Um, so, uh, And alternatively, if everything is gone, uh, then you're probably not using enough. So the key is to get uh, put, out some, put out some oats or carrots and wait till that they're uh, just does uh, just occasional flex left, and that tells you you've got the right amount. Um, then once they've got used to that over two or three days, that's when you switch to the baits, uh, the baits, and um, this this should be on the label. So make sure you read the label and follow the instructions carefully. Uh, but you uh, once uh, once the baits are go, going out. Um, you need to check it in the morning and scout the property for any dead rabbits. Um, so usually they'll go into their warrens um, and and die in the warrens. But if they're out in the pub in the open, uh, you should uh, collect them and dispose of them. Because um, yeah, as you said, we don't want you know wildlife eating them. Mm. And yeah, you don't want to just be putting baits, you know, broad spraying, broad throwing them over a whole property. Because um, yeah, that's when that's when you're just going to start causing issues. So it should be only in areas with high rabbit densities um, and when other methods aren't appropriate. Okay, so we need to actually have a really good idea of where they're already present. So if you're going into the part of the paddock where there's no damage, what you doing? Yeah, exactly. You just, you just, you just, well, aside from the risk to native wildlife, you're also just wasting money. Um, yeah. Uh, conversely, rabbits are actually very... Um, uh, risk averse to any new things in their environment. So if you actually dump it like at the entrance to their warren or in their mm. warren, they'll probably actually ignore it. Um, so you actually, right. um, yeah. So it's uh, yeah, you need to follow the instructions. Um, they and um, yeah, and 
ideally get uh, uh, look up an, your, an organization in your area. There should be um, each state should have a um, rabbit control network um, and talk to them for advice on your specific um, uh, environment and yeah, and yeah, you use a contractor if you're just not if you're just not familiar with the product. Mm-hmm. Okay, so recently at my place, we've, we've just moved into a new rental and we had to get some rat control done. <laughs> and the guy came in and he like laid traps around and I was like, so what about like pets and wildlife? And he's like, oh, yeah, sign here. That, he's like, this is a good point for me to bring out my waiver. And you read it and it's like, oh, okay, so pets are just going to die if they eat it and I'm signing this. And then I'm like, what about the neighbours? And he's like, oh, yeah, oh, well, yeah, they should probably keep their pets inside. I was like is that part of your service or like, so we had to go around and like leave notes in all our neighbors, um, you know, letterboxes saying like, Hey, maybe just keep your pets inside for the next two weeks. Um, Cause we need to get this done. And um, yeah, your, if your pets eat it, then they're potentially going to die. Hmm. And that goes for native wildlife as well. Like any owls that are around um, because this, the rodenticide I'm talking about now, it sounds like it's a different thing with rabbits because the rabbits will go down to the warren. But I said like, well, what about if they die in the walls? Like, aren't they going to smell? And he goes, no, they go out looking for water. So that yeah. means that they are actually out in the environment. They go out looking for water. They leave their nest and then die outside. Yeah. So this is why, um, as I said, the, the goal isn't killing rabbits, it's preventing rabbits um, because, yeah, you mm-hmm. don't want to be taking the decision to use baiting lightly. Um, mm-hmm. There's ways to minimise the risk, but you can't eradicate risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, oh, so the uh, I should point out um, that um, uh, the the pindone um, uh, rodenticide, it actually requires multiple feeds for it to be effective. Um, so... Um, it, that that further reduces the risk, but um, yeah, mm-hmm. you, you want right. to uh, yeah. So that's why you actually need to do sort of uh, three three um, baiting mm. rounds, and that's why you're only using just enough. So if it all goes to plan, um, the rabbit should be eating up the. If you do it at the end of the day, just before dusk, uh, when the rabbits start coming out, um, so you put it out at the end of the day. The rabbits come in. They eat all the baits before any of the uh, any anything else can get it. Uh, you've only just used enough so that it's almost all completely used up, and then you come out in the morning and look for any um, dead rabbits um, that you can see, and you repeat that over three days. So sorry, you're going to have to set your alarm. You can't sleep in, but mm. um, yeah, um, that that's how we manage risk. And yeah. Uh, that's yeah. That's there's there's a lot of uh, debate about the use of um, uh, rodenticides in urban areas for um, uh, the you know the over over the over the counter rodenticides uh, rodenticides. Um, yeah, that's that's a whole different kettle of fish. So mm. <laughs> oh, let's uh, I won't go into it just yet. <laughs> so uh, don't be a wise guy and just jump into chemicals lightly. Uh, I guess that the recommendation is to get a licensed you know, proper professional to remove it. Is that a pest controller, do you think, um, uh, as the best practice? I know some people are going to do it themselves and they, mm-hmm. and hopefully they do it intelligently. But, yeah, what, what would they Google if they wanted to get some help and they said, well, oh, this is beyond me? Yeah, so usually there are actually professionals in uh, rabbit control and you can actually just look up rabbit controller. Um, so um, if, if, if you want to um, the, – there will be a range. If you want to get someone who really knows what they're doing, look for one with a um, – 
explosives expert because they're um, right. Okay. So that <laughs> they blow up. The, they literally blow up the nest. Yes, that is. Okay. RIP plants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably not ideal for a small urban garden. Um, <laughs> but no, the way the reason I say that is because that is actually quite an arduous task to get that uh, license and training. So anyone who's gone to that effort is quite serious in their um, knowledge of rabbit control. But okay. um, that's not to say that other people don't have experience. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, it's probably you could also talk to your local council. They they probably might have a list of service providers. Um, and um, you know, usually councils can't um, give you advice on um, who to use, but uh, you might be able to wheedle out of them who they who they use. But ah, um, good point. Yeah. yeah. Um, Although, do you think they're going for budget options, or do you think they're usually trying to do the right thing? Usually, councils do best value for money, so you know they won't necessarily use the cheapest if they know they're mm. not that good at their job. So that. Um, I know in the past when I worked at council, we actually used someone who we knew was like um, he was on the board of um, I think the uh, uh, Victorian Rabbit Control Network, um, and yeah, he was very knowledgeable. So mm-hmm. he he wasn't the cheapest, but um, mm. yeah, we trusted his judgment. Um, okay, mm. cool. So let's move on to regulatory methods now. Now, we haven't even touched on these yet. This is the sixth method in IPM management. I know there's a lot of different ways to approach IPM. I read, I think it was through the New South Wales government website, I read about this approach of just those six methods, or maybe I learned about it in TAFE, I can't remember, but I just love (laughs) those six methods. Here they are again. Um, Genetic, physical, cultural, biological, chemical, and regulatory. Uh, But Queensland, the Queensland government says that you must not move feed, give away, sell, or release rabbits into the environment. So basically, unless you're going to try and kill a rabbit, do not even touch them. Mm. But I know that that's not the same in every state. Yeah, I, I, I believe some states still allow um, pet rabbits. Um, so, um, mm. <laughs> yes, Victoria obviously. does. I just looked it up because I, th- I thought the rabbits were banned and you had to have a license. But um, maybe look into that further if you'd like to have a pet rabbit. Yes. But before we recorded, you made some really good points about the fact that a domesticated rabbit probably isn't going to survive if it escapes. Uh, so, yeah, if you've got a pet rabbit that escapes and it's grown its whole life learning not to be scared of humans, um, it, it, um, and it walks out in front of a fox, it may not actually know what to do. Um, it might just yeah. kind of... You know, just Deer try and stand it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there's actually a lot of foxes in urban areas. So, um, yeah. So, uh, I don't know what the true – I think there is a bit of a risk that um, if that they've – like their genetics allow them to provide some sort of um, resistance to sort of uh, biological control agents and that genetic gets in. Um but yeah, it's a bit of bit of a mixed bag. I think uh, a lot of rabbits and uh, pet rabbits aren't bred for fitness; they're bred for appearance. So they mm. probably can't run as fast as um, wild rabbits. Um, that said, you don't want to be adding to feral wild populations to no. begin with, unless you alter the genetics in the favour of control. <laughs> if they all get fat and pretty. I am going to handball that one to the geneticist (laughs) because I know there's a really big debate about that and I'm not touching it. Really? Okay. So can you explain what the, even if you're not going to weigh in on it, can you explain the ground for us? Like what, what does the debate about? Uh, Yeah, I I think, I think um, I'm I'm out of my, I'm out of of my wheelhouse here, but um, so I I think the, the, if you looking at putting in genetics that are a, um, 
uh, to weaken the population. So putting sort of um, uh, deleterious um, genetics in, you know, they're, they're slower, they're weaker, mm-hmm. they're more, more prone to diseases. But at the same time, if you're putting the pest into the environment, you're also increasing genetic diversity um, and it might be a bit of a... Um, you know, uh, where does the tunnel go? So, um, right. it yeah. just reminds me so much of that Alex Jones memes. They're making the can frogs gay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so any other regulatory methods? Um, yeah. So I think, um, as, uh, some, um, um, sorry, um, might need to check that. Um, I think, uh, I think, do you have a legal requirement to, hang on, can I look that up? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Probably best we do. So here, here we go, animallaw.org.au. Uh, both domesticated and wild feral rabbits are referred under Section 58 of the Catchment and Land Protection Act in Victoria. When any rabbit is securely housed in captivity, it is no longer considered to be part of a wild or feral population and consequently no permit is required for its keeping. Rabbitrunaway.org.au. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, in some states um, they're declared a uh, noxious noxious animal. Um, so same with noxious weeds. Uh, when you see the word noxious, that means you actually have a legal requirement to control the species. You yeah, on your property you need to be undertaking control of it, so you can't just let it go wild. Wow. So it's it, it wouldn't be like they, they they wouldn't rock up and say there's a rabbit, here's a fine, but if um, if you've got major rabbit problems and you're just not doing anything, then that's when the, the various um, government bodies can step in and start um, compelling you to uh, undertake yes. control. Um, yeah, so that that's uh, and and that that the reason we've got those sort of um, those regulations around uh, the noxious declaration is because um, control works best when everyone is working together to manage a um uh, a pest yep um and that's so, yeah. the truth yeah so um no point controlling rabbits if your neighbor's got thousands of them against your mm. fence lines so. yeah i guess that last uh resource would be that rabbit proof fence i mean if all else fails if you can't get your neighbors to do it and they're just not controlling it or they don't know how to or whatever's going on that rabbit proof fence i guess is your last resort um and it's not a foul proof method yeah, it's it's not it's not a foolproof. It does work very well if you maintain it. the The biggest issue with it is price, because um, it's more expensive than just a regular fence. Um, but you know, if if you're perhaps a nursery that grows sensitive species, then you could probably um, happy to justify that cost. Um, but if you're just sort of a uh, just an ornamental uh, uh, just an ornamental garden that um, um, you know, you just manage, then maybe, you know, fencing off an entire garden is not really, um, mm. not, not probably in the scope of the design. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's pretty much, I guess, all we can really say about rabbit management because we've got the physical methods, which are breaking down the, the nests at the end of the season, which is, you know, at the, at the end of summer. So we're breaking down the nests. We are removing branches above their we're removing any shrubbery above their hole so that predators can come and get them we're using baiting intelligently we're not just going down and buying our own baiting we're going to take that very seriously and get some help if we need to if we don't have our own chemical certification or if we're not quite sure what we're doing there uh 
we're going to search out every single tunnel. We're going to search out every single one and we're going to crush them hopefully in one year because if we don't <laughs> crush them in one year. The next year they're going to bulk up again and we're going to have to start all over again. Yeah. And it's once you've, it's better to spend a lot of money in one year and then do a little and do um, just little maintenance than putting sort of a medium amount of cost over multiple years because it's better to knock down the population as low as possible and then it just becomes easier to manage. Like you, Once you see a, a warren starting to form, then you can jump on it straight away mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to, you know, well, I, I got on top of it this year, I'll let it go and then in five years' time you go, oh, they've come back, I better do it again. Yeah. It's, actually, it's, it's better value for money to spend more money in the first year and then maintain than you know using a lot of money every few years. Hold nothing back. Use all of the tools at your disposal. Use every single method that you can. Just get get on top of it ASAP and don't wait. Yeah, it sounds a bit like a battle plan, but it's yeah, pretty it much does what no, it is. but it is. It's a war, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Um, but you know, as ideally, it's 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 not about you know, attacking the rabbits. It's just about getting rid of their habitat so they don't want to be in the area. You know, it's, um, you know, I don't think anyone likes killing animals, but Mm. it's, um, so yeah, it's about preventing them rather than killing them. Yeah. Oh, and breaking down their their habitat uh that can be done with a compacting like some sort of machine like a bobcat or something like that can compact it or you can do it with a shovel right uh so the yeah depending on the size of it with uh, just a matic or pick pick um yeah matic or pick um you just start from the outside and just slowly work your way in um so what do you mean by that uh so from the entrance um just sort of see where it's going and just chip away at the entrance and just slowly collapse the roof um and just move back until um, you know until the there's no more tunnel. Um, that that's the that's the best way to do it by hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's better. That's sort of good if you've got either soft soils or uh, you don't have a large um, or you don't have a large population or there's only one or two warrens because it's mm-hmm. a bit of bit of hard yakets to do it. Mm. And not everyone has a stomach for it either. You got to have the guns. You got to have the muscles, and you got to have the stomach for it because. Collapsing a habitat on a bunch of baby rabbits, that's not for the faint-hearted. <laughs> no, and I, I, uh, so it's, it's, it, that's why it's good to do it in late summer when they're not actively breeding. Um, that's, that, that's, sorry, I should have mentioned that one. That's one of the reasons, right. as well as being a lot less food, um, they're also not actively breeding summer, so there's less chance of having to yeah. encounter you know, that situation where you're faced with like, mm. little baby rabbits. Um, and so if you've got active adults, when you're collapsing the warren by hand, usually they'll just sprint out. Once they, you know, okay. they're getting pretty exposed. So, right. um, Unless you put a bobcat on their head. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that, that's why ideally you uh, want to treat the warren first, either through baiting or um, fumigation um, or explosives if it's the situation in, yeah. in, uh, requires it. Um, uh, that's actually, believe it or not, that's one of the more humane ways because it's instantaneous. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, and if, if you've got a large, large uh, rabbit warren, so particularly sort of in more agricultural rural areas, you you can get, um, yeah, sort of if you've got a, a tractor or earth mover, you can get, it's just called a tine, which is basically just like a big metal spike. And you just, um, particularly if it's got a flange on the end, which is like two, it basically looks like an, a ship's anchor almost. And you can just drag that through around the whole area where the warren is and collapse the entire thing. Um, again, ideally, once you've um, 
uh, knocked out the population, so it's just an empty warren. Mm. And um, you've taken and- your crop out too, like if it's a wheat field or something like that. Like, it's a bit sad if you have to till the whole crop. But you know, if you if you have to control rabbits in one year, and that means you have to lose your crop. Uh, you have to do a cost-benefit analysis there, don't you? Yeah. So if it's um, you know a plant that you know you can replant, and it's it's it's, it's not mm. you're not particularly worried about. It's probably better just to bite the bullet, um, destroy all the warrens, and then do as I said, maintain that annual control. So it's just a little bit, just making mm. sure they're not moving back in, um, and so that way, you know, if if you if you have to rip out a whole hedge, control the rabbits, compact it down. And then replant, uh, and then so you can keep on top of it. Um, you know that that often happens in situations where you know someone's moved in and bought a new block block of land, and the previous owner hasn't been keeping on top of control. That might be the requirement. Um, but conversely, if you've got sort of sensitive plants, well, then you can sort of look at um, more sensitive matters, um, particularly if you've got a uh, if you get a contractor. So um, you know, if you say you've got a um, you know, a protected tree or a historic hedge or something like that, you probably want to be looking at low impact methods. So look at sort of fumigation and then either hand collapse the tunnels so you're not damaging the roots or uh, other or just, and if, 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 or if you have to, just maybe just closing the tunnel entrances and compacting them down so that they're not accessible. Um, ideally, it's better to collapse the whole tunnel, but you know, if if the situation requires it, you just just do the best you can um, to make sure they just can't get access to those tunnels. Mm-hmm. So, Ian, I want to change direction just briefly. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about an event that the Australian Institute of Horticulture is running uh, mm-hmm. on the twenty fourth of February um, in near Sydney. There, it's called Botanica Nurseries Horticultural Field Day and Seminar. Now, your talk at the AIH and Cairns went really, really well. Everyone really loved it. I think <laughs> it was you. most definitely. I think it was the funniest talk I have ever seen on horticulture. And <laughs> horticulture, it was really funny. Um, so yeah, now you're doing another talk near Sydney. Can you tell us about what you're going to be talking about this time? Yeah, so it's a bit of expansion on what I was talking about last time. So it's um, a longer talk this time. I'll be looking at talking about integrated pest management and going more into depth on. Um, on how that works with a particular focus on uh, uh, biological control and manipulating your environment to enhance biological control. So that's, you know, getting predatory insects into an environment and creating conditions that are favourable to them and how, how all that works with other aspects of integrated pest management. So, yeah, it's just uh, how the natural environment can be used to uh, benefit horticulture really is is the, the main gist of it. And, um, you know, uh, giving, giving a, a, a background of um, how population dynamics um, can be used and uh, when planning your control methods in, um, in horticulture. Mm-hmm. Like you said on the podcast recently, Ecology is not just for hippie greenies. It's, <laughs> there's real money involved. Like it will actually help your budget. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, you know, ecology is everything from the Amazon rainforest down to head lice management. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you know, if 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 you know any parents out there, you'll know that you know head lice are difficult to treat, and usually that's because people aren't paying attention to the life cycle because. Uh, you know, you need they, you know, they hatch. I think I think the eggs will 
once they hatch, they take about a week to reach maturity. Mm-hmm. So people will treat, say, yep, can't see any. And then suddenly a week or two later, they're all back and they're like, wait, what happened? I thought I got them. Mm-hmm. And it's because you didn't follow up with the immatures. And so rather than spending all that money every week buying, you know, treatment after treatment, you know, learn the ecology, learn how to do it once, do it right. And, um, you know, that applies to, you know, horticultural control. It relates to agriculture. Mm-hmm. It's, um, yeah. It, it that, that's ecology. You just you. It's it's about using the knowledge to get the outcome you want. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. We are going to leave the head lice episode for another episode, though. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I don't know if it's a huge issue in horticulture, but I don't know. You know more horticulturalist than me, I guess. It uh... depends on who you're working with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, Ian, at the end of every episode, I always like to ask guests one final question. Now, I don't know what you're going to say this time. Uh, you've had to answer it a few times now. What else would you like the listeners to know about? Um, yeah, I, I think uh, as I was, I was covering that, um, that, um, yeah, you know, it's it's uh, when you're facing a pet, uh, trying to treat a pest, just, you know, learn, learn about the species, um, you know, uh, it's life cycle because if you don't know it's life cycle and just strike out with control, you know, chances are you're just wasting time and money. Mm. Um, and in addition to that, my con- my current contract at work is coming to an end. So if anyone's looking for to hire uh, uh, and uh, natural yes. resource manager, feel free to reach out. So there's basically nothing you haven't done. I don't think in ecology, like you've been <laughs> you've been in border security, you've been in um, you've been in. Uh, agricultural extension i always forget that term yeah. which is you know you've you've um you've you, why don't you tell us what you've done <laughs> <laughs> what, me I, I can't keep track of it <laughs> yeah natural resource management rural environment officer uh entomologist uh entomolog- um diagnostic entomologist and uh, um yeah, I, th- I think you mostly got. <laughs> yeah, so I, so yeah, so um, anything to do with integrated pest management, anything to do with um, dealing with pests in horticulture would landscape be a great ecology. Fit for you. Landscape yeah. ecology, natural resource management, even in a nursery perspective. Like I'm sure that a lot of nurseries are looking to get out of using too many pesticides. So probably hiring someone like Ian would be a really good move. Mm. Yeah, there's quite a few vineyards have gone that perspective that way because because mm. um, you know it's it's a branding opportunity if you can have that sort of uh, you know vineyards love to go that clean yeah. green image um, high quality so um, they're more Absolutely. than happy to you can go charge more way. for the plants you yeah, can, or exactly. your product not you're not selling grape plants but you're selling grapes but you know you're selling more for your you're getting more for your produce yeah when you yeah. can brand it that way yeah absolutely I've I've seen that. Um, you know, I know I know farmers who were on you know um, sort of marginal land, and then they just went high quality and branding. And um, you know, if you go to a country market, what are you going to buy the the uh, supermarket mints or the one that's got a story and story mm. to tell? You know. <laughs> Thanks so much for a great chat, Ian. Appreciate you, man. No worries. Always happy to help. Talk to you soon. See you then. Rabbits are difficult and potentially expensive to control, but they're even more difficult and expensive if you don't control them. And by control, I mean eradicate completely. Check the Plants Grow Here back catalogue for Ian's Bug Bites short episodes, as well as other interviews he's appeared in, such as episode 174, Ecology is Not Just for Hippie Greenies, episode 150, Mivka's Trends and Insights 2023, and episode 78, Attracting predatory insects to control garden pests naturally.